Oh, I, I know how I know how, I know how to start it. I got it. Okay, here's here it is, right here. Here it is. Welcome to Hot D, baby. House of D. That's what George R. R. Martin's calling it. Starring D. He's calling it Hot D, which is not the way to go. But more power to him. The guy wrote it. What are you gonna do? Hot D. Hot D. <laughs> And truly false advertising because there was no hot D no. in the premiere. There were no some severed balls, sure. But yeah, for sure. No, the dong count is zero, by the way. I feel like we'll see. We'll, we're going to see. And it has been a massive L of a year for Dong Watch. The past couple years. I feel like HBO has really backed down from that commitment. Yeah, dear people who have never listened to the HBO Boys podcast before, the Dong Watch is not a new thing. We are on a constant basis trying to find equality in entertainment across all matters of subjects, nudity being one of them. Wow, I just considered someone might be joining us for the first time. Well, guys, here's what we're going to do. We're going to recap and review the entire show, House of the Dragon, episode by episode, then probably talk about it as a whole season deal. And so we assume you've seen the show and we're here. We're going to talk about it and we're going to offer some spoofs and goofs and insights. And it should be a real trip. Real trips and goofs. Spoofs and goofs. I'm Ryan and that's James and Adam talked a little there. Oh, I'm yeah, here. that's important. So I think interesting context for us three specifically doing this show james who you just heard describing what this show is going to be a game of thrones completionist has watched the show has uh, read the books he knows an incredible amount about this world and i've read the novella that this show is based on oh shit wow. which is that's big time stuff me i'm in the middle i have watched game of thrones it is top two perhaps my f- favorite show of all time i have my uh separate feelings about the later seasons i'm less down on them than the entire internet is at all times and i've listened to the first book i have not read it but i let it enter my ears uh and i'm i got halfway through the second book uh on audible when my uh subscription ran up so i i was like well i'm not gonna <laughs> listen to the i i can't it so anyway and then we have adam here who has never watched game of thrones never read any of the books and his first entrance to the game of thrones universe was this episode of television so three different perspectives on like three echelons of understanding the world is what we're about to do that's so interesting adam that you never watched game of yeah the, the the only thing that i know about the show is i obviously know the outcome by now it's been plastered all over the internet but i know kind of bits and pieces of it because my dad watched it and he was always explaining it like if something epic happened or something big happened he would like be like oh so this happened on game of thrones i know okay (laughs) okay it's just weirding me out to think about what it would be like to be a person like game of thrones is this huge cultural conversation happening for a decade and you just refuse to take part it'd be like Someone during COVID is just like, no, I'm not interested. Don't tell me about it. I don't yeah. like anything about yeah. this coronavirus. I'm not, I'm not buying it. I don't believe it. <laughs> One way or the other. Too much hype. James, you're saying that like there weren't a large amount of people who were like, no, I don't believe it. Anyway, yeah. um, so Adam, let's figure yeah. out where you are here on knowledge. 
Do you okay. know the in Game of Thrones the patriarch of the Lannister family, the Tyr- uh, Tyrion's dad? What's his name? No, no idea. You wouldn't know that. No, uh, say some Game of Thrones memes that you know, Adam. I know that one of the languages is Dothraki, and I know that Jason Momoa played one of those people. Okay, right, Adam. Um, and you know winter is coming. Uh, I do, but I don't know why. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> what else? Uh, I know that Daenerys and Jason Momoa's Dothraki person were like a love interest at the beginning. There you go. Yeah. He's got 10 year old accurate information. Right. And I know that they pushed a kid out of a window because they watched some incestual sex happening. Yeah. There you Um, go. Yeah. 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 That's the pilot. Excellent. Yeah. He knows the pilot. (laughs) I know that that same person came back at the end in a wheelchair. Sure. He's blind and can see things. Oh. Okay. Yeah, that's um, that's basically like knowing the whole He got show. his first piece Fine. of information wrong. I'm not going to tell him which part it was, but I will also say he knows someone's in a wheelchair and he doesn't know who Tywin Lannister is. That's where we are generally. And then enter House of the Dragon. Well, this must be really great for you because you haven't seen Game of Thrones. So the first piece of information is that it's 127 years before Daenerys and Adam. Mm. If, you're, if you're Adam, you're like, who's that? Why do I care? <laughs> What what kind of frame of reference is that? Thankfully, I knew that much enough to get me by. The cold opens with that text there, which honestly, I don't know how you felt, Ryan, but when I first read that, like, you know, Star Wars crawl text and that it fades to black except for 127 years before Daenerys, I was like, oh, this is this is bad sign. Yeah. My first exact (laughs) feeling was, ooh, bad start. Like, we need words here. You have to fall back on words. <laughs> oh, this is going to be awful. Also, are they going to try to yass Queen Mad Queen Danny at this point? Like, Danny's the villain. It hasn't. I don't think the writers of this show watched the end of Game of Thrones. No. Shouldn't they be like 127 years before Arya Stark? Sure. Yeah. Are they retconning? I think they're just saying that Daenerys has the same last name as the people you're about to meet. So right. just know that Game of Thrones has a very uh, lauded airhead, not deep, reflective or introspective fan base of normies who are yeah, just like, fair. oh, OK, this is Khaleesi's grandma, I guess. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it is hard to listen. House of the Dragon is the apex of the Targaryen power. They have the most power they ever have. They have the most dragons they ever have. And 127 years prior to Daenerys is like a lot of kings prior to Daenerys. I, Jaehaerys, first of his name, king of the Rhoynar and of the old men, declare Dude's Rock. (laughs) (laughs) Right. He's reading that off of a scroll. (laughs) It's a man's world. Anybody? James Brown. No, yeah, we know it. (laughs) It's a man. All right. If you haven't, if you don't watch Game of Thrones or read the book, confusing cold open. But then we cut to the real story. I mean, like, Adam, what did you think of that first scene? If you thought anything of it at all? Like, isn't that kind of jarring? So uh, I was like, I mean, back then that fucking makes sense, right? It was always like the firstborn son. So I was like, okay, that tracks. Yeah, but he's not (laughs) the firstborn son is the point. He's literally his nephew. Right. Well, I guess next male heir, right? right? That would be his next male heir. Yeah. That's what I mean. What I want to know, Adam, like, was it, were you engaged? Did you watch that scene and think like, okay, 
Now we're cooking with gas. I watched it and I was like, okay. So they panned over to the people who were obviously being kind of stepped over. And that was uh, contentious. So I was like, okay, first off, they are, it's it's already getting contentious. And it's 15 seconds. <laughs> what Adam show. took away from the first scene was like, oh, I don't know. I'm thinking any of these people like each other. Yeah, no, this is gonna this is gonna be bad in a few episodes. <laughs> All right, well, I mean that that was what nine years prior to where we we land where the show actually takes place, right? Yeah, then we do a time jump to not we haven't actually gotten to the real story yet, but to like. The beginning of the story, which is all of episode one, is basically just the background to the real story. And we meet our cast of characters. Some of them are played by famous people. And some of them aren't. I thought the Patty Constantine cast was interesting. Because, like, the first thing I know him from is the Shaun of the Dead movie. Not Shaun of the Dead. Well, yeah, Shaun of the Dead movies. The Ice Cream and Murder trilogy. He was in World's End as, like, one of... um, one of their friends or whatever. Oh, and damn. Like, you're right. I had yeah. no idea that was. And him. he was okay. also in like the, one of the born movies. And I was like, he, he played, he always played like just a very different character. It was a very yeah, different yeah. character. In this show, he's playing King Viserys. Who's like a pretty okay King. Like he's like a boring King. No big swings for him. Just uh, steady the course. Although he is kind of an idiot in his personal life, which we'll get into. Right. And then we also meet uh, young Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen, played by Millie Alcock, as we come into the show. She's riding on Cyrax. The, there's a big bass boom in the air as she rides into frame. Uh, you get Danny vibes pretty much immediately. And then she... Uh, lands on the ground, meets up with her pal, Allison Hightower, played by Emily Carey. And those two people are different. They're best friends, but they're different people. Just take that for what it's worth. And you get the... I I have thoughts on that relationship. Sure. And then you get vibes that, like, number one, the amount of money spent is incredible. Not only for the CGI in that first scene, the dragon CGI throughout this is kind of ebb and flow onto good and bad. But at the very least, they built huge sets, perhaps the most expansive sets of any TV show ever made. I thought if you guys have seen already like the trailers or any of the pictures, they picked a pretty good actress to play the young Rhaenyra. The young Rainy looks a lot like the actress who's going to play her in every other episode. Right, which we don't see. Which is interesting. I thought we would get a time jump in this first episode. Perhaps like the last thing that happened in the first episode would be a time jump. But no, they just lay us the foundation with the first timeline. The other important character, the one that everybody is talking about, is Matt Smith from Doctor Who. I've never watched or liked Doctor Who, but I know him as Doctor Who. And he is the rogue prince, Daemon Targaryen. And uh, he does a lot of weird pervy looks and violent things. Mm-hmm. He is for sure into uh, the young child that is Princess Rhaenyra. Uh, he looks weird in a blonde wig, for sure. When George R.R. R. Martin was asked who his favorite Targaryen was to write, he says Prince Daemon because he is the grayest of the Targaryens. He can do the most good and the most bad simultaneously. So that's mm. probably what we're going to get. He's the rogue prince he's chaotic neutral right everyone doesn't want him as king though sure so right now in king's landing the powerful political faction is the old town family who actually do not have a big part to play in game of thrones the high towers Mm -hmm. who are also very close 
you know, since their seat is Old Town, they're totally tight with the Maesters. They're like the Maester faction. And Otto Hightower, the patriarch uh, of all of Old Town, basically, is the hand of the king. And it's very clear that he hates the Rogue Prince. And he also just seems to hate, like, dragons and dragon riders, generally. Yep, he's played by Reese Ifens. I, I don't know how to say that last name. I know him best <laughs> from The Replacements. He says, I'm Wiety. He's the kicker in oh, The Replacements. Yes. And the High Towers are one of the richest families at this time in the realm. The Valerion's probably the richest, uh, but the High Towers are up there. He's also the father of Allison High Tower, who is Princess Rainey's friend and her handmaiden. I guess that's one thing they changed from the novella, guys. It is not ever indicated that Rainey and Allison were like besties. When they were young, that's not they. They added it into the show, and frankly, I thought it was a good addition. Yeah, no, that's a very good addition. It it makes the possible straining of the relationship later that much more interesting, right? For sure, it will. Actually, it's going to make it a lot more fucked up if, <laughs> if they were actually friends at some point. Mm-hmm. So this show is trying to bank on the things that are really popular in Game of Thrones, which are the hands council scenes, and Love so that. that's like half this episode, and I don't mind. No. Not at all. I would argue, and we talked about this a lot when talking about Game of Thrones, that the council scenes, the politics, it's a thing that people talk about with Star Trek a lot, with the new Star Treks that are trying to be action movies and, you know, sometimes succeeding, but they do lack what Next Generation or the original Star Treks had, which is a lot of political scenes with a lot of dialogue and like understanding the human condition through a different lens. They do that in this show with these council scenes. They'll never get old to me, so they can just keep doing them. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> Adam's bored as fuck. Again, Adam is like as someone just coming yeah. into this without the <laughs> context. Like I can see how it would not work for some. Yeah. So so okay. So there was. I mean, out of the number of them that were in this episode, there was a couple of them that were like engaging to listen to. Like I cared about what they were talking about, but then there were some, I was like, okay, and just, you know, can I guess? Whatever. And then can I guess Yeah, go ahead. the one where Damon Targaryen was there after he chopped a bunch of dicks off, you were like, I'm chill with this one. Otto yeah, and him are fighting was, that. Yeah. That one, that, one, that one was fine. Cause I'm like, how are they not acting reacting more violently to right but like the one where lord corliss valerian is just like there's a crab man in the southern uh, islands and he's doing some crab based shit i could just understand how you'd be like i don't know yeah, th- there I was some some boring parts like you know especially any of them that happened after like the jousting tournament scenes or whatever because like <laughs> all in my head and maybe i'm tainted a little bit uh, in my head uh, when i saw the jousting tournament scenes is just the boys are back in town because i love yes. a nice tale or we will we <laughs> yes. will and like so you. much of that movie yeah. was actually that's such a bad movie that i love i know nice but it was tale? so similar it's amazing yes, with heath ledger it's so oh, good oh god it's terrible but i love it's, it. it's no it's yeah it is a bad movie but it is really great to watch i but, disagree i think it's good and it's great the parallels to that movie being like a comedy parody of this time period and this being like more to like how it probably was for real we're so similar. Still <laughs> in a fictional crazy. world created by one dude. 
Yeah, it's like the guy announcing the riders or whatever was exactly the same as in a Knight's Tale, and I was waiting for for like a shining light to be in the guy's eye and and uh, Paul Bettany to be there with a mirror. Like that's all I wanted. George R. R. Martin said he wanted heraldry number one in this show, so that is what you get. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. The the politics stuff like it's it's fine. I know it needs to be there to kind of progress some of that stuff along, but like uh, but please don't lean on it for a lot of the show. Like I don't want that to be the whole show. Disagree, do it. Oh god. Okay, well whatever. <laughs> Prince Damon has been given the ignoble job of running the city watch, which he has just reformed and he actually is the one who gave them their gold cloaks, which that's how they get the nickname from Game of Thrones. Remember Adam? Oh, wait, you didn't see it. Never mind. Yes, anyway. I remember vividly. <laughs> they're the gold cloaks now. And since oh, they're man. having a big tournament tomorrow, they need to pound the streets and beat the shit out of a bunch of random people. And so a very grisly scene comes next where they are punishing everyone summarily for crimes they are accused of. So if you stole something, there's your hand. If you lied, there's your tongue. If you got your balls out in public, lose your balls. Yep. No more balls for you. You know what? I, I, I will say that that scene, like it felt a little forced to me, like the violence felt forced. And I think it's because Game of Thrones as its original show run was known for its violence. Right. And, and like it was it was held up so highly and like it, it's so violent and it's really grotesque. I was like, OK, I knew this was coming. It, uh, you know, just, I guess, get over, get it over with kind of thing. <laughs> Well, that's that's actually HBO magic. There's usually something horribly grotesque in the season premiere of all their shows. Yeah, fair, fair. In Perry Mason, it was a dead baby. Right. No, I was about to oh, say good. a dick yeah. being chopped off was like not it. That was <laughs> that paled in comparison to yeah, what a, a future scene. But before we get there, I do want to point out. This episode was directed by Miguel Sapchenik. He is known for directing episodes of Game of Thrones, like the Battle of the Bastards and Hard Home, big battle episodes, which he's very well suited for that job. He's very good at it. But I will point out that like every scene where it's just two people talking, he does, in my opinion, over direct hard. Like mm. he is cutting back and forth between eight shots when it could be just one shot on each person and one mm -hmm. wide. And yep. he is, it's he's directing dialogue scenes like battle scenes when they don't need to, like he's just overthinking them completely, which was incredibly distracting. And I don't know if that's for anybody else, but me, but uh, it is one of the things like when, Alicent and Princess Rhaenyra are in next to the Godswood thing, right? And having a conversation. I was like, could you just stay on one fucking person for more than two yeah. seconds? Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I, I found that too. I, I didn't know that that was like his style, though. I just thought it was like, I don't know. Bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was easy on the actors, right though, when you do uh, uh, a thousand cuts. Sure. Just be like, line. <laughs> I'm going to get this syllable if it fucking kills me. So because he's a very good husband and father, the king decides to put on a tournament to announce the birth of his baby, which he sure is a boy. Remember, he wants a boy baby because dudes rock. Right. And <laughs> he it, he's, he's so good that he doesn't actually, he's not present for the birthing process because he's putting on this sick ass tournament. Again, dudes rock. Right. And so uh, they have a sweet, a knight's tale jousting match. 
and it's very violent and in the melee the prince the rogue prince is like killing people for real which is supposed to be against the rules but yeah. yeah like that was another scene i was like no one gives a shit like these guys are literally getting bludgeoned to death skulls crushed in and everyone's just like oh, oh. <laughs> like i'm pretty like, sure Jesus in game Christ. of thrones like the king is just allowed to kill without yeah. with impunity he, like he can do whatever he wants He's the rogue Crazy. prince, baby. Crazy. What a time. In fiction. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is where we get the back and forth between the Damon fighting Kristen Cole after he gets bested in jousting and the queen giving birth, which is going badly slash cesarean murder scene. And it felt like the showrunners slash HBO were like, Make it as terrible as possible so that everyone watching this will know what is to come. Like, Oh, yeah. That entire scene was traumatizing. Yeah, it's fucked. First, the maester going to the king and being like, well, if you want to save the baby, we're going to have to kill your wife here and now or they're yeah. both going to die. And then having him come to that realization, then have to see it through and then them not cutting away. No, right. <laughs> exactly. Know? The maester's point was your wife is going to die either way. So do you want to save one or zero? An impossible call. And then when they started doing it and holding her down, I was like, well, they're just going to show her face and his face. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to show emotional reactions to this terrible thing that's happening. Not a (laughs) close up of it occurring. What the fuck? What? Yeah, that was horrifying. I had a hard time keeping my eyes on the screen. Like the thing it reminded me of is the extremely grisly scene in the horror movie hereditary yes like that that was the reaction i was getting from yeah the thing that was. happens at the end of hereditary when the mother is yeah. floating yes i that's exactly right. that does come to mind because both are fucking hard to watch you know i've never had a problem with watching gore and stuff like that on screen right and Sometimes what does that I, say about him folks? i, I, I yeah, guess i'm kind of a psychopath but you are um <laughs> no i i uh i just never had had an issue with it like i can separate movies from like it being real i, I don't know if that right. not saying and that when someone pays but... me to commit murder it's my just my job i'm just <laughs> right doing my and like when but, a cesarean like... section is happening on screen and i'm actively jerking off to it <laughs> right. i love yeah. and, and my and my resting heartbeat lowers <laughs> <laughs> no but like i i just it's never like i'm i'm never like ew and like look away like i i don't i'm not gonna I don't know. I, I, is I your point no that you watch the cesarean that. section and we're like, this is fine. Yeah. yeah, like, like, yeah this is all right. This <laughs> is like tame. we're watching it together and, and Ryan and I have like, you know, the scream painting face and then Adam's like <laughs> checking his watch. Yeah. <laughs> and just hoping it doesn't go back to a council scene. <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't give me any more politics. All cesarean sections all the time. <laughs> So then we cut to a confirmation that the queen is dead as we are at a funeral. But then, surprise, surprise, we get a reveal that Balon, the young boy, uh, who was a boy, by the way, is also dead when you see his tiny little corpse wrapped up. And that's a real bummer. (laughs) And tiny little corpse wrapped up. Yeah. And they do a Targaryen funeral, which is that like a dragon burns you on a pyre. Right. I mean, that's, I'd like to go like that. That's pretty dope. I could arrange it once we get dragons. Yes. I will say this scene did evoke an emotional reaction for me. Psycho. Uh, No, no. Like when they showed. He was like, yes, burn. (laughs) No, not that. When they showed the queen's body and then they panned and then the 
the baby was there too. Yeah. I literally like w- was vocal. I was like, oh no. <laughs> like I actually like had a response to that, which I, honestly I didn't think I would in this because you're a psycho. Yeah, I'm a psycho. <laughs> so Damon seems legitimately broken up about this turn of events. He goes to drown his sorrows with the other gold cloaks. And then at the next council, it's reported <laughs> wait, wait, by wait, wait, wait. that he goes and drowns his sorrow in an orgy. Well, you forgot that. Basically. <laughs> HBO, baby. Sex position. I did like in that scene where Damon was started talking and a dude is just in the middle of the room actively banging and he's turning around like, whenever you're done, man. <laughs> I know. I noticed that too. Aye, aye, aye. At the next council meeting, it's reported by someone in like the old town faction that Damon was overheard joking about what happened and he called the baby the heir for a day though critically we should say he does not say that on screen so we don't know actually if he said it at all all hearsay so what do you you, you guys think was it a frame up did he actually say it i mean he is a dick he could say something like that oh yeah no i think he said it i but i i think it was like the dichotomy of who he is which is he was truly sad about it he felt bad for Rhaenyra. He felt bad for his brother. He's not a monster, but he does have the ability to say and do terrible things. And he probably said it as a jest, didn't think it was going to get back to anybody else. And then when called out for it, he was like, oh, come on. I was grieving. Yeah. Is that what he said? Yeah, he was, was like, grieving. we all grieve in our different ways, which, yeah, I, which right. I was like, I get that. So Viserys, who's uh, really probably ultimately responsible for the actual tragedy is so upset about this alleged joke that he disinherits Damon and exiles him from King's Landing and names Rainey as his new heir, which is breaking a convention that was just set <laughs> for one generation ago. Yeah, for him <laughs> to become king. In this scene where the king is telling Damon to get out of here, he's holding Blackfire, a Valerian steel sword that in GOT days is completely lost, which is interesting. Oh, see, I didn't know that. At the end of the scene, Viserys cuts his hand on the throne, and this is after Damon calls him a weak king, which he's like, by the way, you're weak. They all prey on you. This is a prime example of them preying on you, getting you to do what they want, which is get me out of here. A person who is actually looking out for you and will save you from yourself, uh, at which point Viserys doubles down and then gets his hand cut by the Iron Throne itself, which is on the nose, but I like it nonetheless. Mm, mm-hmm. Well, it's also folklore in Westeros that like, if you are a false king or if you're a bad king, like the Iron Throne will reject you. Mm. And cut you also, up. earlier in the episode, there's this part where King Viserys has a lesion on his back. Yes, yes. Basically just to let us know that his health is generally failing. Although it did look a little grayscaly. Didn't they say that that was because he was sitting on the throne so long? Yeah. I do like that little cute pun in, in Game of Thrones that like the Iron Throne is both literally hard to sit on, right? And figuratively hard to sit on. Right. It's the most dangerous seat in the throne. Literally. <laughs> sitting on pins and needles all day. And then Daemon goes and gets on Caraxes who is big as fuck and very red and leaves 
King's Landing. After the credits, when the writers talk about the show, they mention Damon and they say about him, he's actually a really good guy with good character, but he's complicated, mm. which I, mm. I didn't like that at all. I felt like that was a massive spoiler that they're giving for the future. Imagine after early Game of Thrones, one of the writers is like, Jamie's actually a really good guy, but he's misperceived. It would have like ruined the character arc that we got for Jamie. Oh, that's an excellent point. Yeah, like it means nothing to me because I already know what's going to happen. But yeah, right. That is a spoiler. This character, he's, don't worry, he's primed for a redemption arc. Yeah. The audience is going to love that. Bunch of seasons down, he's chill. It will be fine. And then at the end, maybe like Jamie, he'll ruin it. But yeah, the point is, Viserys, after this, takes Rainy down. Oh, for a bad scene. <laughs> oh, you didn't like this scene? No. Oh. So, yeah, it, it, well, it ends, as Ryan said, those two are in the crypts. They're in front of Bolarian, the Black Dread Skull. Yeah, the biggest like, goddamn skull. My God. I have to reveal to you the secret of our family, oh, which is this prophecy sure. that Arya Stark will defeat the Night's King 130 years from now, and it's going to do it with this dagger, and it's called A Song of Ice and Fire. Adam, I hope you liked that scene. It'll pay off at the end of eight seasons of Game of Thrones. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. It is a bit of a stretch that that's the way they chose to put Game of Thrones and Hot D together, which is, hey, by the way, the Targaryens know of the prophecy. The first Targaryen king had a dream about it. Targaryens have dreams all the time, uh, and it's wild and wacky stuff, but a lot of the time it's correct. So one, I wonder where that lore gets lost, because obviously Danny doesn't know it in the future. But two, it's very obvious that they just made that shit up for this part. Yes, that was invented for the show. None of that is in any of the sources. No, it's the exact same thing as the right at the beginning which is okay we're going to sort of frame this in a way where it's basically peter griffin pointing at the stream like oh, oh he said it no oh, 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 oh. there it is uh, and it's also it's for again not to be like an elitist or whatever you are but for like the the normie fans who just love the callbacks to all their favorite you know yes queen characters from the show <laughs> like oh it's the it's the dagger. I remember the dagger from episode one. Yeah, the, dagger. the things you should really take away from this scene are the princess who never was, who was not chosen when Viserion was, is she's going to be pissed about this, right? Because she was like told she couldn't be the queen. Because no, she's, she's, a girl. she's actually psyched. Because like now finally someone's going to break the glass ceiling. Yeah, but a piece of her is like, okay, this one, not me. That's fine. But overall, I really liked the first episode. I didn't like the pandering like you did either, James. But yeah. overall, I think it instantly became like probably top five currently on TV shows. Like, I don't know, name four other shows that are better. Right. Than what I mean, that I'm was. being critical, but I really liked it. Yeah, it's a great version of, of this story, even if it's not, you know, perfect or they add some cheesy shit in there. It's like they almost stuck the landing and he's like turns to his daughter he's like have you ever heard the legend of darth plagueis the wise <laughs> raman jwadi's music is amazing they chose very specifically to stay with the game of thrones theme song and add some stuff all around it but at some point they were just playing the game of thrones song which i'm fine with so yeah adam what'd you think i mean i have a, a weird time putting myself in your shoes <laughs> Uh, so, sorry, because I know so much about this shit. But yeah, like, so, I don't know. Are you excited for an episode I, two? I, I 
I liked it. It was entertaining to watch. You know, I I still don't understand like how how people were so invested in, in this. Like, <laughs> you know, you know what I mean though. Like, it's like good. Like, I will watch the rest of it. I plan on watching mm. it. Not only for this show, I wanted to kind of try and watch this. That's um, a valid but, position. But it's not. It's not like. Holy shit! What the hell happens next? Kind of thing. Like, I, it's I'm not there yet. <laughs> I could very well be as it progresses, but I'm just not there yet. I do like this dichotomy, like it's like Ryan and I are so into Game of Thrones, but I do, I like, but I, I do don't, like I, it. I don't get why people are so crazy about. It. I think they did an amazing <laughs> job with the casting. Everyone's been very, very good so far. Like Ryan said, the music is great. The visuals are pretty good. Some of the CGI looked a little kind of cheesy, but I think it's fine in general. But one of our patrons said all the Targaryens look like they are wearing fake wigs and it's kind of distracting. They are. Yeah. And, and, and I felt the same way. The only one that I didn't feel that was Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra. Um, I think that she, she looks fine, looks very natural, but everyone else, it is a little distracting that everyone's just pale with white hair. Like I know that's the whole thing, but like, um, yeah. And then there was one other thing that really, I don't know why I uh, had it in my head so long uh, since they showed it on screen is Damon's freaking helmet during the tournament. Just take the, take the wings off. That's too on the nose. Just take the wings off your helmet. It looks goofy as shit. See, (laughs) that is where I hated it. That is a, uh, an amazing example of where we are going to differ here. Right. I fucking loved that helmet. I hated it. Right. I think it looked so goofy. Ryan has a, an enormous stroke on back tattoo, and I named my daughter Khaleesi, and Adam's <laughs> just like, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't like it. But that, you know what? It, it, it is what it is. Like, you know. I just I would have made a different choice if I was the costume designer for his armor. Listen, <laughs> Everything I, else looks great, it's, but it's you can't, especially if you're you, James, or me, right? We are coming into this off the back of three years ago, a show that many were calling the best television show ever created was then by the same people, many of which said that it was on ru- the show right now. It was ruined. Right. And I don't slap the label ruined on the last two seasons. I I mean, obviously it got worse. I'm not going to doubt that. But like, Adam, you know, a huge reason why Game of Thrones was as big as it was is because it was sort of the first show to do or to stick landings harder than any show ever did. When, When the Red Wedding happened... I don't think anything like that had ever been on TV. As well as it was executed, The Red Wedding was as intense and as fucked up as anything that's ever been put on television. And then from that moment on, you were like, okay, so the stakes in this show are real. People can die whenever. They're not going to fucking bring them back because they're a brain ball, Westworld. Blah, blah, blah. Like, <laughs> it, it is as intense as television can get. And can House of the Dragon live up to the first four seasons, uh, you know, before Game of Thrones got to the point where they weren't adapting books anymore? Or will it pale in comparison to those? You have a lot of people watching who are hate watching, who want it to fail because they felt so betrayed by the last two seasons. What? Westworld? Oh, oh, no. Sorry. Game of Thrones. Right. Yes. Good point, though. (laughs) You're like, your point taken. And you have a lot of people watching with cautious optimism. 
where they're thinking if this could capture 75%, 50% of the magic I felt watching Game of Thrones. There was a a TikTok Sam sent me of uh, a bunch of people in one apartment building watching House of the Dragon all at the same time and and all of their windows changing simultaneously. The power of Game of Thrones was that at the end of it, 20 million people at 9 p.m. every Sunday were watching the same thing at the same time. By the way, uh, it didn't happen for me, but HBO was crashing for an immense amount of people who watched it on Sunday. I think uh, it was a lot of Amazon subscribers that were having trouble with their Fire Stick stuff. I guess the HBO app wasn't working right for those people. No, I blame Amazon for that. HBO did nothing wrong. Thanos did nothing wrong. HBO did nothing wrong. (laughs) All in perfect balance. 10 million viewers is what House of the Dragon got, and that's a lot. 20 million or 19-ish million was what the finale of Game of Thrones got. So those are huge numbers. And also, by the way, the context of this is that two weeks from now, the Lord of the Rings show is coming out. So two of the biggest fantasy IPs of all time are going to be going head to head. And House of the Dragon has a two-week head start. And and it breaks my heart to say it, but Amazon Prime does have better original content than HBO Max. Currently, yes. And and also, like, Apple Plus is getting there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you've watched Severance, you would know. Like, yeah, they're figuring it out. And Ted, Ted Lasso. And Ted Lasso as well. And what was the show you were just talking about before we started? For All Mankind is another great one. Right, exactly. We got Batgirl, at least. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, God, someone's got to tell him. Someone's got to sell him. So here is some hot fan theorying oh, on a God. story from uh, many, many years ago. Uh, this story. So... This is not a spoiler, because again, none of this is confirmed in the text, and I won't talk about anything that happens after this point in the story. Let's just look at, you know, what we've seen so far in episode one, right? Mm. We have this old town faction, which is like super tight with the Maesters, right? And and let's there's I want you guys, while you're watching the show, be watching the Maesters and the things they do and the things they say. For example, uh, who told the king that this was a non-viable pregnancy and we have to do cesarean murder? The uh, maester. High, the high maester, yes. Yep. yep. And, okay. and whose job was it to take care of the newborn baby? The maesters. Yes, and and the old town faction hates the shit out of Damon. Oh, they're coming up with all these reasons they don't like him. Maybe the real reason they don't like him is that he's a dragon rider. And then maybe that's why he's like married to this wife that he doesn't love and who is fertile, like infertile, right? And maybe that's why they didn't want the queen who never was to be queen, because she's a dragon rider. Instead, we'll get Viserys, who doesn't ride a dragon and who doesn't generally like dragons very much, right? So it's not in the text, but it seems like there's this massive conspiracy of the maesters who, again, they're in every castle. There's one in every castle. They're your doctor, right? And they're your director of communications. Right, so they it, have an incredible amount of power in your life. Because when that guy came up and was was talking about, you know, the having to kill the queen to save the baby kind of thing, I thought that was a little like forward. Right, like is this at least Plan D? Like, it, yeah, well, like, how, how many things have we tried to be the so last far? Resort, like that seemed to be the last resort, and he just jumped right to it. Illuminati maesters, dude. We didn't see what happened before that, right? Right, and then the baby yeah. too. Like, we don't know how it died. 
off screen. How it, right. Right. Yeah. it was all off screen. You're right. So be a lookout for the Maester. And the original yes. text that this was based off of. Written by Maester. Right. You know, Game of Thrones, the books, all chapters are from the first person's perspective from different characters. So sometimes you can get things that are just not true said by a character because, you know, that's what they remember or that's what they think they saw. Fire and Blood is not that way. It's a novella that is written by a maester who is then mainly writing through two sources. One is, I think, like uh, a little mushroom man and uh, some other guy. Although the showrunner, Ryan Condal, has said that this is going to be an objective version of what happened like right and i think they i think that they are clever writers and have paid attention because i think they're writing the maester conspiracy into the show into the text Ooh, that would be cool it'd be cool if they do it in a subtle way yes i don't want the grandmaster to come out and be like it was i the alchemist (laughs) (laughs) the whole time yeah no one of the greatest parts about westworld season one was the theory crafting That's why that season of, you know, other than Anthony Hopkins just like murdering it the entire time, why it was so good is because there were great mysteries that everyone got to try to figure out as the show was happening. And I'm 100% cool with like a little little mystery happening for uh, House of the Dragon while dope shit happens over it. I'm into this. I liked the first episode a lot. It's nice to to like things. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Love to like things. We just talked about cynicism at the end of Westworld season four because it was hard not to. So yeah. Oh god, and, and we're gonna do another show on Westworld season four at some point. Yeah, I, I might, I might watch at least the last episode again. Again, you fucking masochist! How do you put yourself through that? <laughs> or maybe I'll just I'll listen to the last episode of the recap. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, listen to us, and that goes double for you, audience, because we'll be back next week. House of D, episode two. Hot D. Return of the D. Hot D, a quest for Tenacious D. This is not the greatest show in the world. (laughs) This is just a prequel.